Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky. With me as always are my good buddies, Eddie Guevara, Chuck Caputo, and Sherry Caputo. Welcome everybody and hey, Merry hey. Christmas to all. All right, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas everybody. Happy all right, this is our final show before uh 2023, so we got a lot to discuss, so I'm going to hand it over to uh, Eddie, Chuck and Sherry cuz I'm kind of feeling under the weather today with a uh, a bad cough, so I don't want to cough in your guys uh uh ears all all episodes so i'm gonna <laughs> hand it over to you guys so you guys take it away all right all Sorry. right joe um just stay in the background there joe you know just whatever but uh i hope you feel better man you know there's been a rumor and i know joe has been very quiet about it about him being a master a master of everything but apparently a master of kung fu <laughs> <laughs> but i i think joe right now accidentally uh is, is under the weather pretty bad. So, Joe, I hope you feel better, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Chuck, uh, what's new on your side of the woods? Oh, man, we had a great time on uh, Christmas Eve. We went over to Sherry's sister's. We spent the night, and uh, we, had a, we had a great time. She had a couple relatives over from uh, her husband's side. You know, they have a strange uh, tradition. It's actually pretty cool. It's it's a uh, Croatian uh, tradition where they they grow wheat grass in like a small bowl and it's got a candle placed in the center. And, and so everybody, they'll, they'll actually take a seat at the table and they light the candle. And then after we're done eating. Yeah. And then, and then once we're done eating, someone blows out the candle, you know, like the owner of the house, you know, whatever. So that would be my brother-in-law. He blows out the candle and whichever way the, uh, the direction, the smoke goes, that's the person that's going to die. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's what I said. Okay. So it's actually my sister, my sister's husband's parents that brought this tradition over. Yeah. And I was like, I never heard of this before, right? But God, um, uh, God forbid, um, Teresa, the mother-in-law, did pass away. So she was the one that always brought that darn wheatgrass in. And then the father-in-law's in a nursing home. And he is what 94 95 yeah, about 94. and a couple christmases ago the smoke went on him <laughs> but he out he's outliving everybody so it does not it's not true at all but so i was hoping that tradition would die whoa no jack's sister judy came that's uh jack is alicia my sister's um husband yeah and uh so his sister judy she had that wheatgrass and here she comes over <laughs> for christmas eve and puts it on the table and they lit it up uh, and it, it's like oh are you kidding me yeah what a i mean what a, a tradition it's like okay let's see uh, who's gonna die next but i know? said let's change it up whoever the smoke lands on that they're gonna hit the lottery big right <laughs> that'll be the one there you go that's yeah, a better idea something morbid. yeah i never heard of anything like that i mean wow yeah. but uh yeah so we had fun so we did the the uh, tradition found out who's gonna die and, and, and we had a nice dinner, you know, yeah, and, our, <laughs> and then the next day on Christmas Day, we stopped over uh, our, our daughter-in-law's family's house, which was kind of neat. So, yeah, we did a lot of stuff. We had a great time. And, oh, thanks, Joe. Joe sent me a book on Bella Lugosi. Thank you, Joe. It's fantastic. Oh, I, 
disappeared. Uh, he's on there, but I think he has the volume down. Uh, no, actually, he's, uh, he's he disappeared. Um, oh, he, he doesn't have a mute on his mic, so um, okay, he's coughing up a storm, and you know, yeah, uh, yeah, he's coughing up a lung, Joe. but uh, yeah, but thank you, Joe. I certainly appreciate that, and uh, yeah, yeah, so it was it was a great time. I mean, you know, and uh, it was cold. It was still chilly with that uh, wind chill factor and everything. But it, you know, we all survived. Our hot water did uh, freeze up in the kitchen. Yeah, the hot water did freeze up coming Even into our we home. We had the pipes open. We tried to keep, you know, um, we tried to keep the pipes open. You know, what do you call it? The spigots open. Yeah, the dripping. Yeah, but it it still, it, <laughs> but it's unfrozen now. <laughs> but thank God, with that big wind that was coming through, like, I guess, Thursday and Friday, it was yeah. like 65 miles an hour oh, or something. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was kind of crazy, yeah. Oh, Wasn't it, Ed? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we had um, some pretty crazy uh, weather. Anything uh, happen over there? Did you? Um, no, no. Uh, everything was go fine. Down or? No, yeah, no, no, that's everything good. Everything was fine, um, especially in my house. The problem is in the... The heat here is is a killer. You got to open up the window because the heat is so hot. But the, um, mm. you know, overall it was super cold outside. Uh, you know, they put salt like crazy in case the ice. Yes. It was raining, but everything, you know, everything actually uh, dried up before the salt even went down. So it was a pretty good. I can't say there was really anything. It was just phenomenal. Um, the supermarket by my job did catch fire accidentally because oh, no. the wire right over the. Uh, Hmm. the papers were you know like the uh, toilet papers and oh yeah kitchen towels and it caught fire but uh they put it out and they were actually last night was the day they opened up again so they've been closed for about four days give or take but you know it's, it's been really good now what i was going to tell you guys is i was noticing last night and you know we always have segments where we talk about our favorite movies and stuff yeah. did any of you guys see lucy it was done in 2014 it's a girl um I think it's Scarlett Johansson, I think, plays in it. And she is the Lucy character. And she apparently, the, I think the movie's based on people only using 10% of their brain or 15%. But in this movie, somehow she gets to use 100%. And she has all these powers to stop things. And I saw a click of it. And the reason I even, to be honest with you, I didn't even know of that movie that I can remember of. Uh, the movie, um, I was showing this person how the ipad pro max can actually play 4k the brand new ipad pro max and oh wow i was looking and i saw clips from her film and i'm like this must be a pretty good film and lo and behold it, it looked phenomenal man I'm, have you guys ever heard of it you know it sounds familiar eddie but i did not see it no. what, what about you sherry no i don't even i haven't even heard of it well, is it on Netflix, Eddie? Or? We can we can look it up. It is on yeah. Go ahead, look it up if you can. You can get an idea. It is on Netflix. It's okay. um, the movie is. I'm I'm telling you, it looks really really phenomenal. And then there was another movie that you know because I thought um, there's one called it's. I know a lot of people hate Justin Timberlake. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, huh. but he did a movie called In the Nick of Time or or something like that where. You get to, you know, it's a weird movie. I think I, I saw it. You know, I, I actually got to tell you, the movie wasn't that bad. It was, it could have been a little better and stuff, but I did kind of enjoy it. It's where you have only 30 years to live. And then after that, each eight hours you do or each day, it is kind of like uh, you have to earn it. And, you know, there's like a time clock and <laughs> it's really weird. But um, 
I was looking and I said, hey, maybe the name of the movie, because I was trying to figure out what the name of the movie was with a, a friend. And I said, I, I, before I realized it was in the nick of time. And, you know, so we, I found another movie called Time Lapse. I don't know if I ever saw Time Lapse, but it's about a computer that can take pictures in the future. I think 24 hours in the future or a camera. Oh, wow. That'd be cool. Yeah, that, that's, you know what? That sounds almost like that Twilight Zone episode where, yeah. they, where, the, where the camera takes a picture and it shows yes, what happens. Yes, yeah, I, 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 I thought about that, Chuck. Yeah. I think it was based on that a little bit. But that movie Time Lapse is something I'm actually going to probably be watching tonight or tomorrow. I don't know if I did watch it. It sounds like I did. But what it is, there's a camera somehow. I, I didn't read much on it, but it's it tells you, you know, 24 hours in the future. And then they start finding out some pretty bad things. I guess they got to correct before it happens. Mm -hmm. so I do like those type of films. And like I've told many times you guys, and I think, I don't know if... Um, Joe, I think Joe said he finally watched it or not, but S. Machina, or La Machina. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Remember that one with the AI robot? Yeah, right. The, um, right. Very slow-paced film, but it's one of those films. I think any of these films are those films that you just can't stop watching. It's slow, but you're like, how the heck am I even watching? But you just can't get off the I TV because it's that good, you know? I know exactly and, what you mean. And that movie was that. And another movie that actually I came across, and a lot of people maybe don't even know about this film. It's called um, Life. Oh, my gosh, I'm pretty bad with names today. It's Earl Jones and Billy Bob, I think, are the actors. And they're supposed to be brothers. And it's it was done in 20, also in 2014. And um, are you familiar with that particular movie? No, that doesn't ring family, a bell. I think it's called Family Ties or Family Line, Family Line, something. No. You know what? I'm going to try to. Ha I'm going to have to try to look that up right now. Uh, Earl Jones with a. Uh, you have a computer? You can look it up real quick. Uh, hey, Sherry has Sherry? her. Sherry has her phone. She could look it up. Yeah, yeah Sherry, go ahead. Look up her the phone. Earl Jones and Billy Bob. I think it is. It Are you saying Bob. James? James Earl Jones or James Earl, Earl Jones? Jones? Yes, James okay. Earl Jones. And James what happens is in that particular movie is that they're actually like brothers in the film. But it, it's it's a really laid back, low, you know, not not a lot of packed action. But it's it's um and the second guy thing. no and the second guy in there is a Billy Bob Thornton. Is this yes, is that what yes, saying? yes. It's a family okay. thing, it's called. A family okay. thing. That's it, yep. That movie, if you guys That's haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. It's a phenomenal film. Uh, here's the way this thing Back in the movies, it actually not 2014. Sorry, it came out in 1990, I think, and mm -hmm. I think around 1991, 1992. Now I'm in New York City. We still had my parents still had the apartment over there, and I remember being over there with my wife, and I started watching the film over there. Yeah. And when I was watching it in the middle, when the film was like getting really exciting, I had to leave. And I'm like, boy, man, I wanted to watch that film. So my brother-in-law goes, yeah, I, I saw the film. It's really good, whatever. And this is going to make you laugh. I always wanted to finish watching the film because I didn't know how it ended. I only got like three, not even three quarters, like halfway through the film. Yeah. And guess what? A month ago, I finally, in my job, found the film because I forgotten the name and watched it on the iPad. Oh, wow. And I said, wow, that film, it's it's really, it's a good film. It's a, It's got good family values in it, whatever. But I mean, it's whoever hasn't watched it, 
It's called a family thing, and everybody knows that James Earl Jones is the famous Darth Vader. Yeah. So, uh, you know, who doesn't want to watch Darth Vader act in a, <laughs> in a film? But um, the one I'm talking about, Lucy, which I'm dying actually to see later today, uh, she works, uh, Morgan Friedman also stars in that film. Oh, it, wow. It, you actually, you know, if you look it up right now on your phone, like I said, Lucy from 2014. Yeah, we'll check uh, it out. Scarlett Johansson is the main character. Morgan Friedman is in the film. Um, it's it's a really great film. And then, now that we got the movies here, I got to also bring up the, if people remember, I know a lot of people have forgotten, but in the 1970s, it only aired once in the New York City area. And that was called The Hilarious House of Frightenstein. Yeah, you had sent me that episode. I got to check that out, man. That looks well, really cool. Well, th the funny thing about it is The Hilarious House of Frightenstein actually runs for about 40, it's actually an hour long, but it runs for 47 minutes because mm -hmm. you don't get commercials. Oh, wow. It could be, it could, you can actually watch it for free. Now, the thing is that they actually recorded, I think if I'm correct, they had one season, but they recorded 130 episodes mm -hmm. in a nine month period, I think it was what I read on the history of it. And it was hosted by uh, our famous legendary Vincent Price. Um, wow. You know, he appears, he also acts in the actual show. And there's a guy who's a Canadian guy. I think he passed away not too long ago, Billy Ban, B-A-N. Mm -hmm. And he played most of the characters in there. And what I found interesting about the, the, the show is that one, it's pretty, pretty kind of like, uh, that you said to yourself, how in the world did I watch it as a kid? And I'm <laughs> I like, like wow, is it corny? <laughs> but I got to tell you the truth, though. I actually watched the first and second episode. They're available for free in Tubi. That's T-U-B-I. Oh, really? We'll check that out. Tubi uh, sir, uh, streaming service. And the good thing is when you log into it or you do a search on Tubi and you mm -hmm. find it, it starts from episode one. Okay. Um, what I thought it was kind of funny is because I always kept repeating throughout my life the words mm -hmm. like, I am the Wolfman. And I thought that that was because of Wolfman Jack. Because mm -hmm. I know the, the Wolfman Jack would always say in the radio, Wolfman here. Oh, yeah. And he'd go, but, oh. That is correct, but see, that's actually that. That's a funny thing. I don't know if that was Wolfman Jack. I think the one that we're thinking of was the Wolfman from the Hilarious House of Frightenstein. Yeah. And, and the reason I'm saying that is because watching the two episodes, that's all he would say. He goes, "I am the Wolfman," yeah, yeah, yeah. and he go like that. So I'm like, "Oh shit!" I think I got this from him because I used to watch that show. Uh... And uh, I got to tell you, and not only that, and then there was uh, where they, there's a witch and the witch itself, you know, when, when she's walking in, which is the same Billy Ben, he's playing all that. And he's also playing a, a Count Dracula kind of guy, but mm -hmm. he's, he's got a dead, uh, which he calls um, Brucey, which is Frankenstein on a slab. And you could see, I think they were using for that character, the old, uh, top stone Halloween mask of Frankenstein they put on the dummy. Yeah. And because you see the the, the head is kind of smashed in and he's trying to get the Frankenstein <laughs> to come alive. So he's always going, Brucey, Brucey, what have I done with you? And he's got a strong imitation of uh, Bella Lugosi. That's kind of cool, so, man. 
Wow. You know, a lot of the times, and I'm telling you, I think a lot of the things we grew up saying might have been reflected on that show. It might reflect it on, yeah, that's yeah, right. In other words, I, I probably picked it up from that show. Yeah. Hey, the thing. Hey, the thing that you kind of reminded me of by mentioning James Earl Jones and I believe Bob Thornton. Uh, how about the movie from 1972? I think it was the uh, the thing with two heads, Rosie Greer and uh, Ray Ray uh, Meland. That was a really unusual movie. Uh, like there was an operation where the where Ray Meland's head was put on Rosie Greer's body. Do you remember that? That was that, really. You know cool. what? I watched that film. I know what you're talking about. I actually watched that film on um, on a cable channel. It was called WHT, Wameka Home Theater. Now, a mm -hmm. lot of people don't remember that channel. That channel, I think, uh, back in the 70s, was probably the first satellite channel out there. Wow. If I'm correct, you know, because, see, a lot of... In 1968, when I came here from Cuba, and I'm saying, you know, this this is like, by 1969, we had cable TV in New York City. Wow. So in order for you to be able to watch TV in New York, you can have a, a TV with, a, uh, you know, antenna on top. Even if you had one in the roof, you had ghosts. It was very hard to get any signals. In yeah. So you need a cable. So cable existed back then. The Upper Manhattan was called Telepronto Cable TV, and Lower Manhattan was... Manhattan cable TV, and mm -hmm. you would have a, a, a top box that would go on top of the television, and it would have channels 2 to 12, 2 to 13, and then it would have the letters A to the letter N, and nice. you would turn the knob, and you know, when you went to the ABC, whatever, that's where you had the cable channels, and back then, the first one was HBO, which later became Showtime. Yeah, right. Then, obviously, HBO was really not out of business, but it made it sound like they were changing from HBO to Showtime because mm -hmm. HBO was going out. But no, apparently HBO was there, you know. But I'm just saying how the lineup was. Now, along that lineup, there was uh, a lot of different um, TVs that came on. But then they started introducing, I'll never forget, the price was, I believe, $19.95 a month. Now, that was a lot of money, or $14.95 a month. Oh, back then. All the time. Yeah. Wow. But what you got, and, and this, I'll never forget this. You got a tabletop, not tabletop, go on top of your TV. It looked like a like an old VCR, mm -hmm. and it was a box for Wameka Home Theater. On top of the box, there was right next to the knob, there was a little antenna that came out of it that looked plastic, or it was made of plastic. Uh, of course, I'm sure it had wires in the middle, but the antenna was, I don't know, about six, seven inches out of the box. Wow. And it looked like a white plastic hanger. Uh, so just think of a line of like two, it looked like a, a small uh, rooftop antenna, but about maybe five, six inches. And that's how you watch Omeka or, or Home Theater. Isn't that something? So, wow. Well, you guys had cable way before Pittsburgh did, I'll tell you. Oh, we had, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, we had, oh, back when I was a kid, we had three channels and we finally got channel 53 uhf yeah we had the rabbit ears and we had the uhf circle like the like the loop with it wild. we attached finally and we thought we were it man because i could watch the hulk you know the old cartoons oh, yeah. the hulk and stuff like that <laughs> but that's all we had was three channels plus uh channel 53 for many many years no we had we had all those cable 22. channels but the thing is the basic cable i remember was i think 20 dollars a month yeah and if you added uh hbo it was 9.95 there was a time, you know, which is kind of funny, though, because in New York City, they had a lot of uh, channels that would come on. 
Yeah. They played actually, you know, adult films at night. And, you know, that's not good, especially if you're a young kid in New York. But uh. <laughs> what, what you would do is, this was so funny. They had a, in back then, the way that you got the channel or you didn't um, was they had filters that they would apply in the roof. And the filters will go through your cable. So what, say, for example, say you put on HBO, you would hear the movie. The sound was there. <laughs> you would see the film, the movie, but a, a line would constantly come in the middle to distort it. Uh, it would be like you remember those days when your TV went horizontal. Yeah, yeah, right, the, right. The vertical and horizontal yeah. uh, buttons so it wouldn't go up and down, and well, whatever. That's how it was. So um, you couldn't fix that. So what you would do is you get a hammer, and the locks they would put on the box were the first original magnetic locks. They looked like a cigarette pack, about half the size of a cigarette pack, actually thin. But you put a magnet next to it, and the locks would open. But something? they were flimsy. You could take a hammer with a screwdriver and hit it hard and it would pop open. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. what you would do is you would remove the filters and connect it directly to the... Uh, you got the free channels. You didn't have to pay for it. Isn't that Every, something? Everybody did that, right? Wow. Hey, <laughs> hey, I still tried to tell my kids. I tried to explain to them back when we were younger, around maybe one in the morning, all all the all the stations went off the air. They would they would play the national that they, they would play the national anthem, and then fuzz would just appear, and that would be it. You know, and uh, you know, it's like a concept that the kids nowadays can't comprehend because there's 24 hour viewing on nowadays. And a million stations. Yeah, a million stations. You're right. Yeah, there is actually. In, yeah. in fact, if you go on, uh, which is bizarre, uh, I found, see, one thing I found it interesting, I was trying to watch the movie last night, Lucy, and I went on, because Netflix, I have it in the house, but I didn't have it because under my, my daughter has it. I didn't have the password for it, so I couldn't see it on the iPad, but Lucy's only playing on Netflix, and it's also playing on Amazon Prime, which I have, but for some reason, that particular movie, which I don't understand, is from 2014. They want four dollars. I'm like, I'm not gonna pay four bucks for something that I'm already. Yeah, I don't get where they come up with this, where they charge yeah. on different things because because There's I was a few movies that Joe had mentioned. We were, and they always wanted uh, us to pay for it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's like really it's like really strange. And like even if you go to like Paranormal Witness, I kind of like that show. And suddenly they they want to charge like two ninety nine per uh, per episode. Yeah. So if you get the whole series, I mean that's that adds up. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the thing is, like I said, I, I pay for Prime, so I don't understand why Prime only gives a few things and other things not, even though you have the screen. That's but, us too, yeah. But, you know, there, there's different apps. There's Tubi. There's, uh, what do you call that one? Um, Pluto TV. Yeah, we have Pluto. Um, we have uh, Freevee. Freevee is good. good Freevee is, yeah, that is correct. But you know what it is? None of, the film Lucy was not playing on any of them, and I was like really yeah. shocked. Yeah. HBO Max doesn't have it either. Mm -hmm. And the thing that throws me off is you have a movie now that's it's not new. I understand new films, you know, you got to pay two ninety nine because it, you know, relatively a year old, but not something from twenty fourteen. Which exactly, is exactly. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But I'm going to tell you one thing though. Um, what we have with the amount, like, if you go to Pluto TV and you put in Superman, they mm -hmm. have the original Superman. The Adams family, they got the original Adams family. Whoa. Uh the Twilight Zone, they're there. Yeah. You can actually watch on Pluto, all of them for free. Mm -hmm. Any any show you want, which is bizarre. Mm -hmm. And if you go to Tubi, Tubi offers quite a large variety of shows. Like, like for example, like I just said, 
the hilarious house of frankenstein is is one of those shows that is more it's really it was aired in canada mm -hmm. so the united states didn't get any in fact i gotta be honest with you if you looked up the hilarious house of frankenstein prior to four years ago five years ago it wouldn't even come out in a google search oh wow in fact i remember just like uh that the aurora game that i couldn't find anywhere Mm -hmm. and finally it appeared and i'm like how is it that they wrote <laughs> books about aurora yeah you know you look up maxwell smart get smart whatever don uh what was his last name don not not don don not adams, don adams. adams you look up all his games skittle this skittle that and everything would come out but the game skittle shootout would not come out it ever. would not come out no you're right and, and, you know, I spent time with Todd on the computer. I spent, you know, with my brother searching and searching. And the only thing I could remember, lo and behold, was 10 years ago or 15 years ago. I don't know when it was. A small picture came out one time. I printed it out. I can't find the picture. And boom, that's the only thing. So, Chuck, you yourself asked me about four weeks ago if maybe I dreamed it as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, for a second, I said, no, Chuck, I'm not that crazy. I played the game. <laughs> I had it for years, and um, one thing that I also wanted to bring into the into the thing here is that when you look at games like that, especially something made by Aurora, such mm -hmm. a famous company, who doesn't know Aurora? Oh yeah, they made the monsters, they made the model kits, mm -hmm. they made almost every toy we had as kids, and they were and but if you look at two books that they put out about Aurora toys, mm -hmm. and that game is not in there. Which blows my mind. Did this game go under the radar? Well, anyway, as you guys know, two or three weeks ago, but out of some crazy reason, boom, and I thank God every day for it, the game shows up in mint condition. Somebody's selling it on eBay. Wow. I was able to prove the game exists. And not only able to prove, I was able to get the game for myself again because I lost my original in the fire. And I was able to get the game in mint condition, unused, in a perfect condition box. Isn't that great? That is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. So um, having said that, and I will say praise God for that because otherwise it wouldn't happen. Um, you know, there's things that kind of go under the thing where we don't remember TV shows. Well, the thing is that the Hilarious House of Frightenstein was one of those shows. And I we we I couldn't find it. So finally, they made a DVD of it about five or six years ago, but it only had four episodes on it. Mm -hmm. And the DVD was actually selling for thirty six dollars. Mm -hmm. Wow! Which, which I bought it, but it was like even hard to get. I I had to have Barnes and Noble order for me. It was bizarre. Amazon didn't have it. Nobody. So not even you would go to Chiller Theater conventions. And there would not be anywhere in Chiller Theater a, a bootleg or whatever. So, and then it blew my mind when I heard it, it aired in Canada for like nine or 13 years or whatever. You know, I'm like, okay. But the, the reason I'm bringing that, that the information up is because recently, um, Jason on the forum, he's been, yes, anybody, if you haven't heard of Jason, he has been collecting for a couple of years now every kung fu, karate, manual that was sold in comic books and you know anybody that remembers the 1970s they were filled any comic book even magazines that had to do with kung fu karate they oh, yeah. always sold the master courses that would make you the ultimate ninja that's right and i actually started joking with you know saying that joe was uh, he's a master ninja because he came up with some weird book 
from his school. And I said that, you know, maybe he's been kept in a nuclear silo for years <laughs> and he escaped. I was just joking with that. But the whole thing is that in reality, Jason had mentioned and how hard it was, uh, you know, to come across a lot of those books. But he had mentioned a name, John Cleese. And he says that one of the ads uh, made the guy look uh, reminded him of John Cleese. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, okay, who's John Cleese? Well, that's because, you know, back in the 70s, uh, there's a thing which everybody knows, British comedy was very famous from, you know, on, on TV. And you will usually see it on Channel 13. Oh, yeah. You would have the word Thames River. Like the Thames, it was done by Thames at the end and mm. mostly Benny Hill. Oh, yeah. Benny we Hill. all grew up watching sure. Benny Hill. Yeah. But when you have shows like Black Adder, which was actually hosted by Ron, you know, the guy Ron, Ron what's it, Atkinson, the guy who played Mr. Bean. Oh, he's hilarious. Um, Rowan, Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkins, right? Rowan yeah. Atkins. A lot of people don't remember that. And they don't, in fact, when you start watching Black Adder, you, you're like, this is really corny and it's, it's slow. It doesn't make you laugh, but you know when you do watch an entire episode, mm-hmm. you start getting into it, and then you realize that British comedy could be really funny if if you understand it. That's the whole mm-hmm. thing. Absolutely. And and you know Blackadder is is one of those things where Mister Bing actually excels in, and you know so the point is John Cleese made a series that and this series was interesting it was actually made between him and his wife. And even after they got divorced, they finished it. But they only did 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. But the 12 episodes were done in, in, in a three-year period. I think what they did is they did four episodes, and then they did four more, and then they finished it up. Mm-hmm. So it's actually one season. Mm-hmm. But it, it's funny because when you see the show, um, there's a guy who plays Manuel on the show, which is actually a German actor acting, playing the part of a Spanish actor that knows very little English. Right. And John Cleese is the owner of a hotel in the show. And, and here John Cleese is very thin. And when he marches, sometimes it's funny. He lifts his feet up in the air and he reminds <laughs> me of the uh, if you guys ever saw the the elite force of Saddam Hussein. Right. Right. Uh, would march with the legs, you know, like mm-hmm. it's funny. He did that a lot. And, um, you know, the show is is really funny. I, it took me a while to get it on DVD when I started watching it because it's only mm-hmm. 12 episodes. And I paid, I think, $60 for the 12 episodes. It was pretty expensive. But they play it now. You can actually watch it, I believe, in 2B TV for free. Isn't that nice? Um, but it's it's a hilarious episode. And I brought that up because of the fact that Jason uh, mentioned that. And then I tried to explain... John Cleese was, and you know, when made right. him famous and stuff. But uh, yeah. John Cleese, I believe, is still alive. He's yeah. That's that goes back to the Monty Python flying yeah, circus. Right? That is correct. I, I wasn't yeah. he on that show as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know what? If you ever want to watch a great British magician, he passed away. Oh, I'd say about seven years ago. Uh, Paul Daniels. You know, he was he was Britain's Copperfield. You know, for like maybe 20, 25 years. He he was a absolutely fantastic magician. And now they have Dynamo over there, but uh, but Paul Paul Daniels goes back from like the early seventies, probably up until like maybe two thousand. And if you can't locate it on TV, just search his name on uh, YouTube. You know, a magician Paul Daniels. It'll show like the whole two hour. You know, you know, like the episode and 
it's absolutely amazing. I mean, he was a fantastic magician. His name is Paul Daniels. So, you know what, if anybody out there wants to check this out, very, very amazing magician with a unique twist to it. You know, uh, he did some really fantastic magic. He even had a few, you know, guests come here from the United States and so forth, you know. Uh, but yeah, Paul Daniels. You know, when you're one thing that's funny, and I'm also going to bring up, uh, there is, uh, I guess, Britain, for some reason, Britain and the United States always had similar things. Right. And like I said, we had mail order. We had comic books. Mm -hmm. I've heard people from Britain say, man, I used to look at those comics and wish I lived in the USA. Mm -hmm. I think back then it was a little tough to send things overseas. Right. Most companies would not ship overseas because with the cost, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they have their own versions of us, not as, as big as us. Like, for example... Grand Delusions, the gentleman there, which I think is a British version of me at the age of 83. Yes. I guess mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to be when I'm 83. I'll probably be like him in <laughs> the United States. But um, this gentleman has collected, I don't know, thousands of novelties. I think he, he according to the Grand Delusions website, um, I, I kind of forgot his name right now, which is crazy, but... Um, I know, you know what, I know exactly who you mean. He's, a, he's, yeah. a, he's an older guy. He's a very soft-spoken voice. He's uh, really cool. Yeah, he got yeah he's got the UK soft-spoken voice, and right. he, he reviews his toys. And I believe he says he's got um, 27,000 mm -hmm. um, collectibles. Yeah. And like I said, he's 83, which is really interesting. But Grand Illusion also sells mail order stuff. Yes, he sells some unique, very yeah, unique very stuff. Very unique stuff. And it's and the thing also is, unlike me, he's got like 2 million subscribers. Right. <laughs> so right. His, his shows get several million views. And, you know, that that's really phenomenal. I, I love watching him. I love, I love his subtle voice and stuff. And I've actually tried to impersonate him in trying to do my own reviews because of the way he does it. And he's so successful. But that's the thing. Well, anyway, in Britain, we had Johnson Smith. We had Honor House, mm -hmm. American Circle, uh, the Fun House, the Fun Factory, which I eventually got. Uh, they, we've had a lot of, you know, Big Three. There was another company called Big Three. Mm -hmm. uh, famous mail order comic books uh, companies. And, you know, you could order from Transcience Corporation that sold the Sea Monkeys, uh, X-Ray Specs, you know, all this stuff. Well, Britain had one particular company called Ellison, I think it was. Mm -hmm. They made, like, their catalogs were pretty small, mm -hmm. but well, I mean, very nicely put together. Uh, they resemble kind of like um, SS Adams retail catalog from our country. Right. But in a small version and, you know, but like I said, the artwork was really decent. Their catalogs were not printed on cheap paper either. Uh, and they were like little booklets, you know, miniature booklets. They're less than six by nine. They're like five by mm -hmm. or four by five. But I'm saying that company in particular, this older gentleman from Britain always talks about it. And sometimes he shows catalogs on his show. But having said that, I mean, I'm sure they had more companies I don't remember right now. But there weren't that many companies that sold through the mail. There were companies like the House of Cards or Haynes House of Cards, which right. is in Britain that make magic cards and most magicians and magic shops in the USA buy their supplies from them. 
They had Supreme Magic. A lot of the hosts yeah, Supreme were- Supreme was great. Yeah. Now, now that started with Edwin Hooper, and then he passed away. Then Ian Adair ran it uh, for quite a few years, and uh, he's still around. I but, think he just had a birthday, uh, Ian Adair. I think he's in his 80s. But, uh, yeah, Supreme was neat. It was neat, definitely. And they made a lot of good stuff. And Yeah, they did. It's very sought after today. A lot of, But you know what it is? So, again, Europe had a lot of suppliers to or wholesalers of magic and stuff, but they lacked the mail order home stuff. Right. I don't know if the comic books were big in Europe at the time. I don't know if they, they had any way of getting to kids like they did in the United States with DC comics and Marvel comics. I don't know if maybe that's the reason the mail order in Europe did not, you know, grow as yeah. as they did in the United States. But I know that a lot because you know it's bizarre. I had I thought I thought this was phenomenal. When mail order mysteries came out, there was a guy in our, in Australia that sent me, and this was funny, I thought. He sent me instead of just buying it from me and telling me to ship it to him, he sent me like four joy buzzers. Uh, a couple of whoopee cushions, and he wanted me to sign it for him and send it back to him. Uh, what he did is he purchased them in his country, mm-hmm. shipped them to me. I don't know how much he paid, mm-hmm. and and I thought that was funny. I actually have all the information. I that's, that's amazing. Wow, it is. I took them. You know, I took uh, pictures of the package and everything mm-hmm. because I, I just got to find it to post it one day. But it was. I thought it was interesting, and I don't. I even forgot what the name of the person is, but um, this was a couple of years ago. And that's how, you know, people in Europe in particular uh, are kind of like really always looking and seeking after the Mm -hmm. stuff we had in the United States. In fact, my original as a kid, I had a seven foot Frankenstein, the plastic one, the green one in two pieces. Right. And man, I taped that up a bunch of times. The tape was all over the corners. Uh, it was in pretty bad condition, you know. But I mean, the image quality was good, but the corners were all you know, messed <laughs> up. And somebody gave me two hundred and seventy-two dollars for one, and yeah. the person was located in England. Oh yeah, purchased it, and I sold it. And then I said, "Man, I should have kept my original." But I sold it because it was all screwed up, you know. And I didn't want to sell. And I, at that time, I did have, you know, about ten of the originals that were given to me in Honor House. And um, then again, I sold and I kept only two, but I sold all of them in between anywhere from two to three hundred dollars a piece. And, and now they're selling for five or six hundred dollars. You know? Yeah. The same ones I sold. I think I probably saturated the market with them. But, um, you know, that's early mail order. You had no idea that those things were going to go up in value. Um, but, um, you know, overall, uh, a good question. I have Sherry. What is your input of all this? Uh, <laughs> You've been very quiet. I am. Yeah, say something. Go ahead, talk. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. So I got an itchy throat all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, the the, simple, the question I'm going to put to you is very simple, Jerry. We're talking about the fun stuff we had as kids. Yeah. We're talking about what me and Chuck, uh, you know, would go after and stuff. Well, my question is, well. You were a girl growing up in the same time period. Well, sure. What did you find fun other than the famous, I remember, showboat? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I wasn't much into collecting at that time. And I guess when I got married to Chuck is when I started to collect some different things, um, which really 
is just for me. I mean, I collected, I don't know if you're familiar, Eddie, with um, those um, plates. And well, I'm not. Are you talking about the famous, uh, they used to always advertise them on TV, the collector plates from. Yeah, like John Apple Wayne. Yeah. And yeah, Wizard of Oz. It even has the, you, you can wind up and play the music and everything. So I have a few of those plates. And then I was collecting, I was on a kick to um, collect uh, Fenton, which is pottery glass, pretty uh, colored, uh, different glasses, like little pitchers and pretty vases. I have a few pieces. They're, they're, they're the, a little bit more expensive. I don't know what they would go for now. But when I was a little girl, though, my mother, she bought my sister and I each these dolls. It must have cost her a pretty penny. And we were not we were not rich people at all. We weren't even middle class, per se. But they it was a designer. They, they were dolls. Like, would you call them porcelain? Not not so much, huh? Almost like a resin, but their but their dresses were beautiful. Yeah. Um, from different countries. They were dressed up to match different countries. I think I have a French, a Spanish, and I don't even know if my sister has hers. I had three. I have three of them. I still have them. You probably, you probably took hers. No, I didn't. <laughs> They're in the original boxes. Never a smoke. It was a smoke-free home. Same here. And I've kept them all these years. The only thing that happened was the head was connected to the body inside with a rubber band. And, of course, that just rotted away. Kind of helped it held it in place. Yeah, it was immovable. But I never really played with them. My mom kept them put away. I was never allowed to touch them because, you know, when kids play with things, they get ruined. <laughs> so um, I just kept them and I still have them. And I'm wondering, I, I was going to, before the podcast, look up who that creator was, a woman um, in Pittsburgh that uh, made them. Wasn't that from Joseph Horn Company? Pittsburgh? It was through Joseph Horn was Company. It was a department store which is long gone now as well. That was downtown Pittsburgh. So I have to look up that name. So I don't know. It was, it's pretty cool that I have those three dolls. You know, it's interesting. And in fact, you know what? Next week, I'm going to actually try to get Jenny Crabtree to come on the show because I want her and you to basically discuss, you know, kind of like what you guys went through as a child because Jenny is um, from Europe, from the UK, Oh yeah, Jenny. I'm kind of wondering, you know, the difference between there and here, because I do know watching comic books or reading, I mean, reading comic books, one of the biggest things I always saw in comic books and sold by Honor House was the life-size dollhouse. It was a dollhouse that supposedly oh. went and played inside. Do you remember those ads, Sherry? Yeah, and I do remember that. I never, I never personally had a dollhouse, but I know, um, what are you going to do? What exactly was that toy, Eddie? Because you know what? I saw the ads. I do remember the life-size dollhouse. Oh, but what exactly what exactly was that? Well, uh, I'm actually going to post some pictures. Uh, I actually have one still in mint condition. Um, and there was, I've had a, actually three of them. And one of them actually Dave Harvest had, had, which was the Honor House version of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a dollhouse made of cardboard. And I, I've never built it to see what it looks like. But I know it's like three feet tall or something like that. And, and when you would open it up, it kind of was like the Polaris sub. It would open up in the middle. Oh, I see. The girl could sit like towards the, not the middle, but it made it look like she could almost get inside the house. But it's just three feet tall or two and a half feet tall. Wow. It would op open 
you know, you could kind of swing it open and it was split in the middle. Oh, nice. So it's, you know, there's actually, it's not hard to come by this uh, because what happened with that dollhouse, it was so successful for Honor House that Miles Kimball or was it Miles Kimball who took it over the Miller company or oh, I, okay. I think it was Harriet Carter. Harry Carter. Yeah. One yeah. of the two made their own versions and, and cause there was really no copyright in those things. Mm-hmm. And they just kept selling the exact same house. Um, yeah. I, I think it's Harriet Carter. Okay. Which is the other one that's it. You got Miles Kimball, Harriet Carter. Harriet Carter. And, and then, and then there was a guy, Walter Drake, I think. Walter uh, Drake. Yeah. But there was yeah. a, I think it's, I'm most positive it's Harriet Carter. Mm-hmm. But the, the point is, uh, there was also another one that really resembled the the Johnson Smith catalog called mm-hmm. Foster Trent. Okay. Uh, yeah, Foster Trent used to sell a lot of novelties in there. And it, I, I think it was the closest thing to the Johnson Smith catalog. But I, overall, you know, that house, uh, along another thing that was, I saw a lot, for not as often as the house. The house was in almost every comic book. And if I remember, the price was $6.99 or, or $4.99 yeah. for the house. But the other thing was 100 uh, uh, dolls from different countries. So it's kind of like, remember the 100 toy soldiers? Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the full locker for Don, you got the same thing. You got like 50 or 100 dolls for $1.98 or something like that. I actually have that an original one of those. Um, nice. I got it on eBay. The reason I got it because it was there. Not that I would be interested in 100 little toy dolls and mm-hmm. stuff, but since it's part of mail order, I bought it. Uh, you know, I, I have it. I still have it in the original box where it came in. And they're really like little teeny quarter inch or one inch tall dolls mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. made of hard plastic that they actually all look the same, to be honest with you. Yeah, they were they were probably like the soldiers. The soldiers were flat, like they were like one one dimensional, right? They were very, yeah, one dimensional. And yeah. I think if I'm correct, that was yeah, that was the Lucky Toy Company. Lucky Toys was the one that mm-hmm. came up with the the soldiers. And mm-hmm. you know what's kind of funny though, I have I think about three or four. I have the original 100, which is the most popular one. I have about four or five sets of that. I think Chuck, if I'm correct, I gave you one of them. Yes, you did. I have it in my big kit with the okay. doors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm almost five because I know I've come across, but I also have the Re- Re- revolutionary soldiers. I have one of those sets. I have the ones that are red knights and black knights, mm-hmm. you know, the knights. So they had quite a few. Now it's bizarre and it blows my mind that when one of those sets comes online, it usually sells for about $300. Isn't that something? Yeah. Wow. It's, it's amazing that actually lucky toys in fact, Lucky Toys has a person that's a fanatic like me. I don't know if he's still around, but he actually reproduced the same thing for back in the in the nineties, and he sold it as one hundred toy soldiers online. Wow! I, I, you know, he had the whole history of the Lucky Toy Company, but what he did though is he actually sent the round plastic soldiers. So he improvised, mm-hmm. created the, the foot locker, but he would send you the, you know, the, the soldiers you will go to a general dollar or mm-hmm. Walmart and you buy for like four or five bucks. Right. He would send you those soldiers, the plastic ones in there. Um, but I thought he played it out really good. I, I thought he did a very good job. And, but for some reason he faded away, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I haven't, 
I don't know if he's still around. Yeah, I think I actually had a set of those toy soldiers, but when I was real young, but I don't remember what happened to them. And, and you know what? If I remember right, Eddie, there was some kind of a like a mat that came with mine, like a like a almost like a little floor mat where it, drawn on it was like uh, roads and stuff like that, maybe like hills and things where you'd put the soldiers and you'd act like uh, you're on the road or something. For some reason, I kind of remember that. The, the ad itself showed that Chuck. Um, that's something interesting. I know that that Matt you're talking about did come with some of their sets, like yeah. the, the what do you call it? the, you know, the Cowboys and Indians and stuff. Yeah. Like, but I don't think that Matt ever came. And, and you know, if it is, and somebody out there knows, they can teach me a lesson on that. Yeah. I yeah. don't recall it that ever coming. I know that it's picture on the ad. I mean, my memory. Mm-hmm. Yes, the ad has like a playground thing on it. But yeah, I had I had some kind of mat. Now this this is probably 1968, 1969. We're talking 50, 53, 54 years ago. So, you know what? I'm surprised that I can even remember that. But yeah, I, you, there was some kind be, of a some kind of a mat I had with the soldiers. I don't know. You might be remembering. I think uh, actual toys that were sold at the time, because there was a thing called Fort This and the Fort. Mm-hmm. And they all came with mats. That was very common. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it relates to that particular. I know okay. the ad. The ad itself showed a landscape um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where people fighting with the tanks, and you see the kid, you know, and it. Yeah. Then it has the arrow pointing to what you think in your mind. You're getting a Footlocker uh, for Down ninety eight, and the Footlocker looks like the size of a Matchbox. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the yeah. only Matchbox that you buy for your kitchen. That's wood, funny. Wooden matches that come in a box. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, and, you know, it's kind of interesting, though, because I've always considered bringing those soldiers back. I don't know. I mean, because the problem is that I think those soldiers, believe it or not, I saw there. there's a company in New York City, not a company, but a thing that's owned by China. And it's called the Hong Kong Trade Development Council. Mm-hmm. And it's somewhere. And when you go there. Oh, I used to go there. I would get this 500-page or 600-page catalogs that they actually weighed about 10 pounds each. Wow. And they were all in color, and each page in the catalog had a different manufacturer of mm-hmm. toys from China. And you could, you know, you would contact them, and then you could, you know, get things made overseas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had Taiwan and Hong Kong and all that stuff. And one of the things I'm going to tell you about that is that I remember seeing, and I still have all those catalogs. In fact, I have about 20 of them, and I know they're super heavy, and I've been thinking about getting rid of them because they're so heavy. But the thing is, they're filled with colorful pages of toys because mm-hmm. I've had them since the early 80s, and there's a lot of antique toys in those things. So I think you know either I could sell them or keep them. I like them because of the pages and all the information. Right, right. But I got to tell you, though, I could swear I saw those flat soldiers in one of those manufacturers there. Mm-hmm. So it might be possible to say that they're probably still being made somewhere in the mm-hmm. world. And uh, the only thing is nobody has, I mean, because who, who's going to really, in fact, the only company out there, I think, that's bringing anything back is House of the Unusual. That's right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of magic sellers, a lot of retailers of magic. Uh, all the novelties, like everything from the squirting gum to electric shocking pen, has been reproduced where they sell them in, you know, Amazon for like a dollar each because they're garbage. Um, listen, in the 70s, a lot of the novelties that were made were not that great either. 
uh, I, items that excel beyond were like the electric shocking pen, not the pen, I'm sorry, the lighter sold by Loftus Novelties, uh, which actually I think it's a Franco-American novelty item or whatever. I mean, the, the deluxe shocking lighter, the metal mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. was a good product, well-made. Uh, electric shocking book was phenomenal for the ads <clears throat> made by Franco-American. But when you bought the darn thing, you almost paid $20 for it back in the 70s. So super expensive. Wow. Even, even the wholesale price were like $15 a piece mm-hmm. in the 80s. Because I remember I would have them in the store and I had to sell them for like almost 40 bucks. And I got to tell you, you dropped those and one drop, that was it. It would stop working. It was done. Yeah. Uh, the, the pens... They were like 15 bucks. You, you, the pen was like really fat. It was not a good product. Uh, mm-hmm. They weren't, you know, and in fact, the only novelties I think that were superb and great were the dribble glass by SS Adams because no, I, they were, they were great. Yeah. Yeah. And they were made of glass, you know, really good uh, mm-hmm. thing. And you also had the, um, the joy buster from, from, you know, I got to throw this SS Adams did not make, a joy buzzer as good as the one that uh, Loftus Novelties produced mm-hmm. because the Loftus Novelty, even though it was cheaper than the Super Joy Buzzer, the Loftus Novelties had one thing, and, and the thing with it was that you could wind it and wind it, and it wouldn't break. It had a protective mechanism that you wouldn't let it, it you know, you can use it. So it was a very good joy buzzer. Mm-hmm. The deluxe joy buzzer they sold, because uh, SS Adams sold the regular buzzer and the deluxe. Mm-hmm. The deluxe man, the little plastic thing they had on top would come right off, and that was horrible. And and even if you glued it back on, it was like they made a joy buzzer of, of imitation steel, and the plastic little thing they put on top would just fall off. It was not a good Oh, yeah, thing. I remember. Um, they hold a lot of value for collectors, but it's not a good buzzer. Now, no. if, if you get an SS Adams uh, 1940s metal buzzer, one of the original ones, those are pretty good, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. Hey, one quick question, Eddie. How's the time doing here? I don't want to go time over. we have, I think, about three minutes, and that's it. We're going to almost wrap it up. I'm okay. bringing up the information. But other than that, um, you know, that's that's the thing with the time. I'm, I'm going to say the novelties today, some are actually made better and some are worse. But I don't think there's any particular year that one you could say this is the next you know, a great novelty. But, you know, nobody ever can defend or say that the or I would say not that the best joke I think you could ever play on somebody was the original Snowstorm tablets. Oh, yeah. Those were uh, a phenomenal piece. It's too bad that it, they're not made no more, and it's too bad that they're poisoned. And uh, <laughs> it, it was a great item, man. It really was. Now, any last words you'd like to say? Let's go around. Let's start with you, Chuck, and then go to Sherry. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to wish everybody a very happy and safe New Year. And uh, you know what? Uh, have a good time. Don't drink too much. And tune us in for next year. And here goes Sherry. Yeah. Have a happy new year. We'll see you next year. And I hope that uh, Joe and uh, Tony are feeling better, his wife. And Eddie, I hope you have a wonderful time and a safe new year and your family. Same to you guys. And uh, next week we'll have uh, some uh, guests on to talk with Sherry. They'll take over the show. All right. God bless everybody. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. God bless.